Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. Hello, welcome to Book Shambles. Let's rattle through some admin June 15 Space Shambles at the Royal Albert Hall, hosted by Robin and Chris Hadfield. We've announced some guests. We've announced Apollo 9 astronaut Rusty Schweikart. There's going to be Jim Al-Khalili. There's going to be Festival the Spoken Nerd. And there's going to be a lot more guests and some pretty exciting ones as well, which we might tell you about uh, before the event, but probably not. Uh, tickets are available now. Under 10 quid you can get tickets for. An Apollo astronaut for under 10 quid. That is ridiculous. Uh, June 4 and June 11 in the Elgar Room at Albert Hall. We're going to be doing four live episodes of Book Shambles on June 4. Our guests will be Professor Lucy Green and someone we haven't announced yet. And on June 11, it's going to be Adam Buxton and someone we haven't announced yet. Royal Albert Hall website or the Cosmic Shambles website to get tickets for those. We're also going to be doing another live Book Shambles event on May 4th at King's Place in London. It's going to be the London launch of Dean Burnett's new book, The Happy Brain, Uh, neuroscientist Dean Burnett, who we've had on Book Shambles before. You might have read his first book, The Idiot Brain. Uh, We'll be doing the London launch of that uh, conversation with Robin and Dean and you'll be able to get signed books and everything there. Tickets for that are from uh, the King's Place or the Cosmic Shambles website. And Patreon supporters, uh, if you're not already a Patreon supporter, you can do that at patreon.com slash bookshambles. And our first live book club is coming up towards the end of April. We will send you a message uh, with what date that's going to be very soon. So if you are pledging at that level, uh, keep an eye out for that. And our first book club book is going to be, as it always had to be, a Kurt Vonnegut book. We're going to be discussing Galapagos. So if you are pledging at that level and you want to jump in on the live book club, uh, start reading Galapagos now. I think that's all the admin for now. If I think of something else, uh, we'll stick it at the end of the episode. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your support on Patreon. And thank you very much for the five-star reviews on iTunes. If you've not done that yet, we would love it if you did, because it really helps us out. And now on to this week's episode uh, with the return of Sarah Pascoe. Um, I think that they are vegan. Mm, they are. Well, welcome to uh, the vegan cashew uh, crunch, crunch, crunch. book mm. shambles. Uh, Josie Roman's book shambles, and we are having another return guest. We had Stuart Lee uh, a few weeks ago, who was our first ever guest, and we thought we would uh, now have uh, our second ever guest, who is Sarah Pascoe. Who since then you've had a book out as well, Animal. I don't think it'd come out when no, we did I this. No, I think I'd uh, finished it, but it hadn't come out last time. Which and is, you've just finished your book. Yeah. yeah. But that went well. Your animal went very well. I Still saw it a lot. going, continuing to yeah. go It's a big up. hit. It's a, um, yeah. a long-running big hit. It's a long-running big hit. No, it's, not, it's not a big hit. In terms of, I don't know, I don't know if this will happen to you. It definitely happens with comedy. You know, having a book out just means there's a whole other area to be jealous of other people in now. <laughs> <laughs> and now walk into bookshops and like push other people's off the tables. Also, there's a whole other circuit of gigs that aren't paid very well, like having to go to oh. book festivals. Oh, but So this is the advantage of having done 10 years of comedy. If I don't get a split of the door, I ain't going. 
Sorry, bro. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you find that when you... Because I, I, I literally... From, it, it was uh, yesterday, on, mm. on the day we were recording this, I finished the book yesterday. To Well, I finished the book ages ago, but mm. not to the satisfaction of my publishers. Yeah. They're two very separate things. Yeah. But I finished it to the yes. satisfaction of my publishers. But for the last three weeks, mm. every book I read, mm. I go, oh, should, yeah. I should have written it like this book. This yes. book's brilliant. Well, this is how I should have written it. Well, sometimes it's just brand new information. And because this is what's similar, anything to do with science, you then read... A another book that explains something else about the brain or a neurotransmitter and you go oh I needed that the advantage of having the hardback and paperback is in a year's time you can add an extra chapter or what I know since then so you can kind of update things but you just have to be content a bit like an Edinburgh show or something you just do the next thing Mm. and you explain it the other thing that's very frustrating is not being able to say everything because the yeah. other thing is that after your book is out, someone will go, well, actually, you didn't mention homosexuality in elephants. And actually, that's really important in terms of evolution. You're like, um, yeah, OK, I know. And it's, you have to get really good with going, don't be defensive. <laughs> you didn't, uh, you see, you I didn't think I'll talk be all right. Yeah. Because I can send them some of the 90,000 words that didn't make it in. Yeah. Where the publisher went, oh. this, this is not a very linear book, is it, Robin? Yeah. <laughs> I have a very private appendix that I shall email you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Having, like, an online... You can then... Yeah, it's well, I'm going to pour some water. I'm not doing a wee, listeners. Well, this is... Um... <laughs> the worst part is there's so many pouring signs in old ones where people haven't made that announcement, oh, which you yeah. now have to assume yeah. in retrospect. It's just loads of people just getting real casual. Yeah. <laughs> um, because mm. we're mentioning that, this will get us into what we were just talking about outside before we started mm. there, because... Um, and I don't think I've talked about this since we... Um, um, Trent, have we talked about the passing of uh, Barry on any book shambles as yet? Well, I'm going to mention this, yeah. right? Because you, you were talking about uh, things where you go, oh, that's not in the book now. Yes. And one of the things that's kind of kicked off uh, exactly as I stopped writing the mm-hmm. book is uh, stuff about free speech yes. and debate about the nature of ethics of comedy. And yes. I just want to quickly mention, because we haven't talked mm. about him yet, that uh, since we last recorded uh, Book Shambles, uh, Barry Crimmins, the uh, wonderful uh, comedian Barry Crimmins, has died. Yeah. And I interviewed him for the book. Mm. And again, that's one thing that I really wish I could have kept everything in because he was such, yeah. he's such an interesting human being who, yeah. who had to battle a lot of And things. also you're very passionate about more people finding him and oh, his work I'm and the things that he's ridiculous. saying. Ridiculous. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I bang, you know, it, it really is worth it. I promise everyone. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. People are grateful to then find a brilliant person. Yeah. And it yeah. is, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible loss when, when a voice like his, I think, is needed. And I want to start off because we were talking about uh, ethics. That one of the things he said to me uh, was he told me told me this story about doing a gig where um, the, the it, when he went on the audience just there were a few people in the audience who really went for him even more yeah. like this real excitement. And then he, uh, he, he afterwards he gets tracked to this couple who were just enjoying it so much. He said, "Oh, I'm glad you really enjoyed it." And they said, "We only come out once a year." Mm-hmm. And he said, "You only go out once a year." He said, "Yeah." And they explained and they basically said, "Well, uh, we have." have a, a child who's severely disabled and yeah. we only have one person we know that we can really trust to yes. be able to deal yeah. with uh, all of our child's so needs. there must be so much to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's just really problematic. Mm. And they said the first two acts went out and they said retard this and retard that and yeah. we just couldn't feel, we didn't really feel comfortable. Yeah. And then you came out and very quickly we just thought, this is going to be okay. Oh, Even wow. though, of course, he, he yeah. took a lot of risks. So anyone who's immediately yeah. going snowflake comedian, this is a guy who could have been a lot more successful but spoke out about a lot of, yeah. of terrible things in terms of governmental things and, and, and mm. foreign policy things. 
And he's talked afterwards, and when we were discussing this, he said, you know, to me, it reminded me of the shrapnel of language. Yeah. And I think that is part of the debate that's almost not being talked about yeah. at the moment, which is there is shrapnel, and are you, are you happy... Yeah. To throw that shrapnel at people. Are you yes. happy with the collateral damage yeah. for your joke? I think um, mm-hmm. I think uh, there's two things, because there's making the world better or worse, whether you're playing with that and doing one thing or the other. I think there kind of is a binary in comedy, because people who joke about horrible things as a way of thinking that we're discussing it, and there's other people who are going, I just, it's just funny. And, but I, and, and there's a different, because then there's the legal issue. Because I think you can absolutely make the world worse. I mean, but that's not necessarily breaking the law. Mm. The interesting thing is, oh, could you go to prison for that? Because it becomes something else, which is like inciting hatred, inciting a riot. Not a riot, but in terms of the law of free speech. I've always, because what the speaker's corner, you're, you can do anything as long as you're not. You don't insult the monarchy, incite a riot. And, um, and it's kind of similar to that. If you're, if you're trying to instigate other people into perhaps doing actions against other people and that's against the law you can go out and call everyone fat and ugly and that's just being, boring yeah, kind of boring, <laughs> and cruel but, no, but, but there are lots of people who I don't I don't think everyone has to be born and oh, be a brilliant member of society like that, that's what yeah or, and also lots yeah. of different humor is funny in ways that you can't explain and can't anticipate and all of and us like... had to learn that lesson about subjectivity of going it's just so hard when you don't find the joke funny to defend yes. <laughs> because but... all of us when we like one of my favorite comedians is Frankie Boyle which is not saying i agree with everything he says and historically has said yeah um absolutely would in no way defend him but i am so in awe of some of his crafting of language that it takes my breath away and and then someone else said to me oh yeah so because you think he's good you forgive these things that you wouldn't if someone you go I think that person's rubbish possibly but also for me with comedy that's kind of what it boils down to is is what you're saying like good enough and thoughtful enough but that's a judgment be call because yeah. someone else. So this I thought was very. So the thing um, that I think we're kind of skirting around, not talking about with the the pug and the um, the anti-Semitism, which I haven't seen. So first of all, I'm not that target audience. I'm not on YouTube watching comedy. I can explain. Well, that I have seen yes. and yeah. it, and it is you know the 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 root of the humour. I think is basically here. Look, it's, it's a dog. Ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous, and and he's gone to a point of uh, of, of of taboo. Yes. it's like a kind of almost an, an outtake of Mel Mel Brooks, the yes. producers. Yeah, this sure. this is how far it's gone. And I but, but in a description of it, I can absolutely understand why it would get a lot of shares. I absolutely understand. I absolutely understand it. But on um, but I also the reason. So in the Jonathan Pye video, which I, so I watched that because a lot of people were retweeting it, and, I, and, and he has this line about, apart from Ricky Gervais and um, David Baddiel, where are all the comedians? And I, became, I was aware of this case when it first went to court because a comic was talking about it backstage and going, we have to back this person, it's about comedy and what comedy is and how it can be interpreted. Um, but for me, so my... What is it? I don't feel this is the case that really makes... Which isn't about the issue. It's because of the gas the Jews line. Mm-hmm. It's because I have absorbed, like most people, so many uh, narratives of what happened during the Second World War. I feel physically sick. And that maybe that is a definition of oversensitivity or snowflake. So I was never clear enough about it to ever... And I don't really tweet about stuff anyway. Like, I, I choose to... I wrote a book rather than putting it out in tweets or blogs. I had to, 
have some time to consider it. And that's the same with this issue. It's not, I'm not scared of anybody, but I'm also not sure if this is the right battle. But he, um, he's he got photos of himself with people who are far-right mm. trolls, who um, target yeah. people online. Yeah. Absolutely. But again, these are things and that aren't necessarily illegal. No, no, but he... Um, no, no, I'm not I mean, saying not that like, at all. they're not great, I want to be his best friend. But No, no, yeah. I, I'm not saying that at yeah. all. All I'm saying is... He says, oh, what I'm doing is mocking far-right views. Yes. But if you then look at the fact that he also is somebody that really associates with the far-right, it then becomes yes. harder for me personally oh, of course. to go, oh, well, I yeah. trust that this guy's joking and yes. I trust that this isn't why, part of that's the whole edgelord yes. thing. Like, the whole infiltration so, so, of yeah. 4chan was, like, pretend it's a joke and then get people yeah. and then make it But earnest. I think that's the, the thing with the internet now is that sometimes things become histrionic. It's so important in this case to be really, really rational. Yeah. And with lots of cases, very similar to lots of things that are going on in terms of Me Too and Weinstein and because there are some things that are n- not ideal or are antisocial but aren't illegal. Oh, sure. And there are other things where it's like, what is the actual point? And it's a really huge big and it's not an emotional it's not a gut decision yeah. and that's why, that's why I don't, I don't tweet feel like comedians can... shouldn't go to court I was like this is much bigger than that yes. and it needs experts who actually what is in uh, what is written down in terms of freedom of speech in this country and what is this person doing and, and which isn't the effects of it because this could have been and I think that that is one of the things again this is part of what this story seems to be about is Elements of doubt and elements of that. If someone just says you're either for free speech or against yes, free speech, yeah. well, actually there are laws in place. Yes. There's lots of other yeah. things, and this is quite intricate, yeah. right? And uh, so, can we talk about it? No, we can't. Hang yes. on, I thought we were going to talk. Yeah. But no, no, no. It's just you're for free speech, you're against. And I yeah. think in the same way, we've ended up on both sides with things like the Brexit thing, mm. where I'm, I've met so many people who go on. Oh, if I find out someone voted Brexit, yeah. I think well, that's no good. Yeah. Because as you said, there's lots yes. of different. And reasons. that's why I think rationality is really to, important. I think the, the trouble with Twitter. And I love Twitter, so this isn't me saying, but um, the the terseness of a tweet in terms of how limited it is makes you think you're having a binary argument. And actually it's mm-hmm. made, it hasn't, there isn't a space for discussion. And human beings, we want hours <laughs> to kind of, to let the argument sprawl all over the place. And there is no, I think threads are making it better actually at the moment. Yeah. It's quite nice. Just like, here you go. Oh, great. And I can see an argument building. And then I can see things if I want to spend all day reading their <laughs> responses to it. And that feels like a slightly better way of doing things. But idea, yeah, it, it creates a binary, which is then emotive. And so everyone's wrong then. <laughs> everyone's wrong and also it's really hard because you do have people making demands online like today I had somebody be like you sh-, because oh yes, I should say what yeah. we're doing um, in May on the 21st of May if this is up before then mm. is we are oh, yeah. doing a gig to support a comedian uh, called Louise, Louise Ray oh, Louise Ray I was going to say Muck Ray but I just like everyone being Scottish yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just if I can <laughs> Louise Ray um who is being uh, taken to court over a show that she wrote by her ex-partner, who is in an oblique manner featured in the show. It's very strange because it's a clowning show. So um, so it was very misreported by people because... Uh, and I can say this as someone... Cause we, we're not allowed to talk about her case, obviously, because it's an ongoing court is case. Is that too much that I've said? Cause if so, I don't think so. You've just said about the gig. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'll talk about me. So I, um, I was in a relationship with a comic, and, and and both he and I talked about our relationship. We were together on stage, and then after we broke up, he wrote a show that won the Edinburgh Comedy Award. Which you're entitled to half that money. All of it. He, uh, <laughs> he's living in my house. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but um, 
what so we got contacted when this case came up and the papers tried to trick us now i'm too busy to write an article about and especially not about a relationship that it was 18 months ago sure. but um they they tried to get us they tried to trick us into do side by side by both going we just want your side of what happened with john and to john they were like um, we just want your side of like because you've been out with a woman who talked about who humiliated you on stage but um oh of course because but, um it's oh my god but, that there lots, and lots, lots and lots of articles in all of the broadsheets um talking about it wasn't a stand-up show she didn't it wasn't like me going on stage going this is it and you go yeah you went out with john i know who this is about it, it was um it was so say, say something stylized so i might tell you um, my show is about um the egyptians building the pyramids you're like but you're just pushing like sandwich boxes around like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd have to explain it to you for you to understand it yeah. but um so that's a very important freedom of speech issue yeah. and also like um it most my mum's a magistrate. It most commonly happens with um, trying to get access to children, but people can use the law to try and as a form of bullying or making yes. people's lives yes. worse, and that's something that happens. And you see yeah. it like people who deliberately have a big court case for custody that they actually don't even really want yeah. to kind of act as abuse. Yeah, my mum had a very horrible case. Well, she actually advised the woman in the end because. Um, she, she had been in a very violent relationship and the man now wanted access to the children but it wasn't about the children it was about and he kept cross uh, questioning her in court and um my mum helped her say some basically to have a speech to, to describe to the judge what was going on I and mean, it wasn't about access to the children but yeah it's a really horrible thing that but then power in general isn't it Just, uh, if there's someone who's slightly more powerful they can use anything really as a weapon yes yeah I think one of the problems, very often when you're told to have an immediate reaction or research something, is that it takes a long time to actually go beyond the headlines. Mm. It takes a long time yeah. to know what is actually the motivation. Yeah. It takes, like, you can't... It's very easy to just go, do you believe it or you don't believe in it? Yeah. Well, do you know what? Yeah. I think the universe is complex and human minds are complex and the reason that people do things are complex. And sometimes yeah. I can immediately have a reaction because you go, oh, no, that yes. definitely, that, that, yeah. that's, that there's someone dying, yeah. whatever it might be. Or and other times I go, this may well yeah. involve all manner of nefarious and, you know, Again, labyrinthine I think, I think it's very human politics. nature. We can all of us, we like, you know, like the thing about how you create a narrative from a tiny half of a sentence. I do think it's really natural to have an instant human emotion. And then the point of having a cognitive brain is then reassembling that with more information and being flexible when things then disagree with your original emotion. Realising you were wrong <laughs> is such a, a huge sign of adulthood. Of going and and it, and, it's, and sometimes it feels easy. and it feels gross, especially if you someone has told you why you're wrong. Yeah. But being able to listen to it, I honestly think that's like oh, I'm a proper grown up. Yeah. We should probably get on to books. Yes, shall we? The, but, but there oh, is but a, but there, there's this cake. Yeah. Oh no, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Robinson. It's all right. You, you're pregnant. You keep saying that. I know. You're speaking for two. No, 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 no. You had all those toffee I have, and that's why I'm being so manic. You have been in the house on my own for four days. You've been four days in the dark. You've come in. You've eaten a donut and some toffee. Are oh, you just I'm keep tripping. you stay by that microphone? This is the closest I get to an absolute night out. <laughs> um, oh, talking of books, when I found out that Uncle Tom's Cabin was such an integral part, because you know, like the whole the whole um, there's a whole theory. We might have talked about it last time about how human beings started to become much more empathetic with the birth of the novel because you were putting yourself into someone else's shoes. Hang on, yeah. he's doing something. He's saying your phone. My phone's not on airplane. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, I thought he was pointing, saying, eat more to toffee I think he was... I thought he was saying... 
you're you're late for your plane. And I was like, I'm not flying. I'm not flying. What are you talking about? We booked you a plane. It's a big night out. Yeah, so but Uncle yeah, so, Tom's Cabin, yeah. and it was obviously written by a white woman, but um, the, the story, what, what she was demonstrating in that story, which was the impossibility of the amount of racism and the lack of um, humanity in racism, was a really integral part into the end of slavery because it was huge and people were reading stories and spending time seeing the world from somebody else's perspective... And so I think always remembering that that's, that's how the really good revolutions happen. Like, they're not killing each other. Like, the French Revolution was rubbish. <laughs> Too violent. Um, I, I have a real, like, sli- like, such a small amount of information that I've read about the Paris Commune, which is basically, like, an incredible graphic novel um, yeah. called Who Could Say? Um, yeah. I, yeah. We're not going to get it out of my brain. <laughs> but um, as a result, I really romanticised the Paris Commune. I'm like, that that was... Because the point was, like, it was, like, people getting together, having meetings, mm. talking about how women should be active citizens too, yes. and, like, all yeah. this, like... Well, it was really great for that. about The Red Virgin by Mary yes. and Brian Talbot? He's so clever. Yeah. Well done. You can tell who's not pregnant, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that out. is judgmental. He just Googled it in his brain. <laughs> <laughs> After he just started reading it, it was interesting you brought that up, because no. I, I, I read the, I the suffragette it. one that they did, you, and, I, and I haven't I'll read... Oh, mate, did you, are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And also, like, I mean, obviously I'm classic audience for it. That I'm like, do you hear the people sing? Oh, like, yeah. I just can't, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's what we haven't talked about. Are there any books that you've started reading, just sort of like kind of going in terms of, because you, you, you only have a, uh, which is too, yeah, not, not long. Yes. We have it. So what have, you, what have you found most interesting? What kind of books have you been oh, drawn to? Do you know, I actually have loads to talk about here. But I, um, yeah, so I found a lot of books to be very prescriptive and inaccurate, and it was very depressing. There'd be ones that were like, or just very sexist in a low-key way. Like, they'd be like, we know that no one loves a wrinkly mummy, but unfortunately that while you are pregnant, you won't be able to do your Botox. And I'm like... No one loves a wrinkly mummy. Oh Everyone God. loves well, their mum. your Botox? <laughs> what book did you buy? Uh, it was just like a nondescript kind of advice for pregnancy one. So I found there's a book called Expecting Better, which is written by an economist called Emily... can't remember her name. Money. Sorry. Emily yeah. Tory Money. <laughs> and I read it because I definitely think to myself, gosh, I expect you and I have quite different value systems. I expect you and I like have quite different politics. I expect you and I aren't necessarily very suited. But I it's such a brilliant book. It's so thoughtful and it's like so useful to me yes. that her skills and her mindset yeah. have been put into that. Did you, so did you assume that just because she was an economist? No, no, else? from yes. her writing. Okay, okay. Because her writing's really like, I don't... Just worry about obsessing all the amazing economists. No, God, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of... Oh, uh, have Krugman. You read, have you read the book... Um, Get Me Out, which is a history of childbirth. It's not like a manual. It's a it's a book about... It's really interesting in terms of, like, the history of midwifery and all of the invention of the implements and things. Wow, I'd love to... Do you know that like, forceps were hidden for over 100 years? What do you they, mean? They, they bought them in boxes. They wouldn't let people see them because he was so afraid that people were going to steal the idea. Yeah, and, um, and, and um, you know, the word sibling? Yeah. Was it called siblings? Sibling... No, the word gossip is God's siblings, and it's because of all of the chatter that went on in the room when it was just women, because women who had given birth would help the woman give birth. And, but it's really, really fascinating, and a lot about... So before um, antibiotics, all of the germs and things, they didn't understand why people were dying on the wards and why it was spreading, because they just didn't understand... Like, so, didn't understand germs. Oh, well, well you'll love this. You, you weren't there, but the other yeah. day I interviewed uh, um, uh, the woman who wrote The Butchering Art, 
uh, Lindsay Fitzharris, which yes. is, is the and the first half of it is all about just you know when people were just dying, yes. the whole like peripheral yeah. disease, yeah. and you know literally someone a surgeon had had his hands hand deep in inside, it, 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 yeah. the great black diseased yeah. blood of someone, mm. and then they're putting their hand. Yeah. Now we're gonna get the baby. That's out. exactly, oh, that's exactly it's, it's it. A very, yeah. I can't uh, have this graphic of conversation. I know. I know. Can yeah. I just say yeah. this was very much 1817, yes. not. 2017. Yeah. Though there are some people who believe they should go back to what they call natural death childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. R- Russian so roulette childbirth. <laughs> we should be having this conversation. No, yeah, guys, we're really subtly bullying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it a joke or not? Um, the, um, Emily Oster is named the woman who I should say mm. I really like. I'm just yes. saying she seems very different. To yeah. Me. And in in it, she's very much like I read all these books. They're all nonsense. Yeah. Nobody's giving me the real deal. Yeah. And she basically has looked over all of the evidence she can mm. find and she tries her hardest to give you very simple yes. feedback and it's yeah. so great. It's yeah. like, if you want a coffee, have a coffee. Yeah. You're fine. People do. Yeah. Well, actually, I read a book, Sex and Statistics is the name of the book and um, I was primarily reading it because I've been researching pornography and a lot of the statistics used in the media, very sticky, are very misleading. But the, the, but they're the most emotive or salacious. And so I read a book about that and it was really fascinating in terms of the stuff with pregnancy and women, even about women and age and the age you can see. Because <gasps> yes. a lot of those studies are hugely flawed. 16th century France. Yeah. And then when they do a meta-analysis, they actually, you're fine and this at this age and, and it's not as simple as, you're done. <laughs> you're 35. <I laughs> Give have, up. And yeah. it's so funny because I like... I'm, I'm sure you will have had people saying, like, well, of course, there's a fertility clip. And then you look at the evidence mm. and you're like, right, so they did a study. Literally and also, in they only had sex once front. a month. And it was if you had sex once a month. And it's also, the, yeah. like, who would do that with their. Tra- yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. But, but it's really interesting because we just trust statistics. We can't help it. Because oh, no. we assume that the world is full of people double checking before they print it. And, and we go, or we'll say, to. they only asked 20 people. <laughs> so 80% sounds like a lot. <laughs> but of 20 people, we can't really. Or it's yeah. like on the hair product where it says. 75% of 481 recipients. It's like, that's an odd number. But that's because there were a thousand recipients. Yeah, or because, but, but I mean, that's because they've been legally, but the papers just print anything. Mm. Two people who are worth always kind of just, you can always always tweet them if you're worried, mm. but they've also written David Spiegelhalter yeah. and Hannah Fry are both oh, Hannah, fantastic yeah. in terms of uh, being reasonably up to date in terms of yes. the mathematics of various different mm. uh, ideas. Oh, and wow. they've both got, in fact, her TED. Ted speech, mm. I think. I think it's called something like the mathematics of sex, isn't it? Or, of love, um, yeah. Mathematics of love. Yes. That's uh, that's by Hannah Fry. Yes, David Spiegelhalter did and a she fantastic wrote a book, book as well, yeah. the Norm Chronicles, Ooh. which is basically breaking down actually the kind of uh, the median likelihood. Yes. You have of, uh, yeah, I'm reading the book I'm reading at the moment is so is Dr. Brooke Magnetti. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. so she wrote the Secret Diary of a Cool Girl and has written lots of books and was a PhD when she wrote that book. So she's um and so she's written a book about sex statistics and how they use to display certain things like sex trafficking or the effects of porn on teenagers and it's really really interesting because it's an area of her passion at the same time as her kind of saying this is not applicable it's really interesting in America because there's been so many so many presidents have come in and tried to prove that pornography causes rape and every single study proves the opposite and then the next president comes in and um, I think I I shouldn't just name them Nixon probably (laughs) (laughs) you know he was a bastard because he so he came in just as one of the studies was finishing and then was really angry with everyone has anything to do with it trying to push their 
pro, and they were all like, no, no, we're anti-porn. It's just numbers, <laughs> like going against our argument. Because he's, he's one of the bad Quakers, isn't he? Wasn't he a Quaker? <laughs> Was he a Quaker? You love Quakers. I do. We're double check. I can't remember which, or, which group he was from, but the, yeah. I, I, I might have mentioned this on the show before, but there's a, a great book you might enjoy called Everybody Lies, mm-hmm. where a lot oh. of it is this guy who he basically... Uh, that Google searches are oh. a great way of actually yes, finding they, they, out. It was going to be called um, "How big is my penis?" Oh, because that's it's what the, everyone searches. Yeah, and then they and the publisher said that he shouldn't. Um, yeah, I listened to a podcast for economics. I think he was on. Um, I've actually There's got some that fascinating book. things yeah. like like because the, the, biggest... the internet doesn't lie. It can't do, and it's a huge study. I know that's why people don't like the information being used. But the other side of it is you do actually know. Oh, that's really interesting in terms of pornography. After the um, there was recently in America. There was a missile crisis where for a, for a few hours they thought a missile was coming towards... <gasps> Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. And um, then it wasn't. And then there was a surge on Pornhub because they know. So every, that suddenly they had this really, like, fallow hour <laughs> and then everyone logged on again and they had this huge spike. Because everyone's, like, freaking out and then they were yeah. like, I'm alive, let's I'm make it. I'm horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense as well because when people are having... Yeah. Um, that's in the book a Big crisis. Data as well, actually. Ah, is yeah. It, yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. When people are having a crisis, that's what they do, isn't it? You're like, it's the end of the well, world. No, but, also, but, but that's classic <laughs> ape behaviour. It's like you get, you get certain things get re- released because you're scared and stressed, and then when that danger goes away... You, um, it's, it's a very interesting in terms no, of having, and, and also in terms of natural disasters. There's amazing studies that go on because also after a disaster and after a war, you know, people have more male children than female children. Why is that? Well, do you know that more male babies die than female babies? So more males are born and they have a higher mortality rate. Oh, wow. They have a slight, it's really interesting. Testosterone weakens the immune system. Um, uh, it, it does slightly. And there's certain things that are inbuilt. After disasters, there's this natural shift of replacing men. Also, there's another thing, and it's a very subtle difference, but sometimes the gender of the child is replacing the least healthy parent. So no, because <laughs> what if I was having a girl? Yeah, stop it, stop I'm it, stop it. No. Oh, no. I'm healthier than no, Johnny. Bit, that's something that I read, and I now feel like I can't back up properly. So anyone at home who thinks that's interesting, look it up properly. Oh, no, I think that's true of every yes. single thing. We can we're, we're, tell you though that yes. Nixon's parents were evangelical yeah. Quakers. Yeah. So <laughs> that's uh, yeah. we have that 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 we, we we've checked the sources. Yeah. I've been reading a book on hypnobirthing, which is written by uh, Cat. Barbara, I think. Oh, God, I'm being so cat stupid. Cat trance. <laughs> oh, no, hang on. It's, it's actually a book about cat, cat Barbara by yeah. Hypno. Uh, yeah. um, and it's, it's, it's basically, there's a small imprint that has released mm. a lot of quite short books about yes, birth and yeah. all around it. And it's it's makes sense when you talk about, like, people having sex after a crisis because in most crises you go into that fight or flight or freeze. Yeah. But the opposite of that is what you're supposed yes. to go into in childbirth, which is like the lovely sex, yes, love it, ones. Yes, yeah. And so it makes sense that after you finish with the fight or flight or freeze, yes. your body's like, love and sex, love and sex. Yeah, but also just like the, the well, I guess it's the up and down of thing, isn't it? You get, you get flooded with relief. Yes. Yeah, and um, you want to continue. Um, have you read The Argonauts? Because that, I think, is the best. And I say that someone who's never been pregnant. Who is that by? Oh, Maggie Nelson. Oh, it's been lent to me. Oh, so The Argonauts... Izzy must have lent it to you. Yes. Because I made Izzy read it when she was pregnant. I think she told me about it. So The Argonauts is... So it's, it's so rare when a book is everything. So it's, it's poetry. She writes her use of language is insane. It's insane how brilliant she is with words. Um, and then also she is a lecturer. She's an art lecturer. So she the way she describes things that she has seen or felt or music and also she's this I would I would say radical feminist as a compliment that that's not me and, but and she's not trans exclusion no her partner is trans so her husband or boyfriend is a man but originally was 
presenting as a lesbian woman. Yeah. So while she's pregnant, the most female thing, and also like being taken over by her body when she's a very, very intellectual woman, all of it's just so fascinating. Yeah. And because there is research in it, and she talks about the things she's read in books, she's got this thing like so huge. But this thing about how I guess because a lot of us can't help but reflect on our childhood, and some people have very, very difficult childhoods. But she's like, she says this amazing thing about if you're alive now, that meant someone spent your childhood scooping things out of your mouth to keep you alive. She puts it, I'm really butchering it, she puts it in such a succinct way that you think, I'm never, ever going to forget that I was vulnerable yeah. and someone hourly or Had by the minute you. kept you alive. Yeah. And I'm so ungrateful to her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ungrateful to her. I know. Yeah. You bring your mum to gigs every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. But no, nice she, treat, she loves she? it. Oh, she Bunch loves me flowers. talking about her on telly. She <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't matter what I say. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah, my mum would only like it if I was literally saying... My mother is a queen. She is an absolute queen. Yeah. Anything Which else? Which is not the thing you said last time we talked about. Anyway, so the, uh, the, uh, um, this is uh, another book. I, I, there's a uh, book by Charles Fernhow, who uh, also wrote a book recently. His most recent book, I think, is called The Voices Within, which is all about people's relationships with their inner voices oh, and stuff. And, that uh, sounds fascinating. But I think it was probably his first book. Yeah. Where, in fact, there's some brilliant stuff. Like he talks about, ah, um, oh, who is the. Um, Author of, she writes a lot of books about the First World War. And, oh, Pat Barker. Oh, yeah. I love Pat Barker. And I love says that Pat Barker. So excited that God she uses her in it. She, yeah. That when she writes, yeah. she just basically, she sits there and waits for the characters to come in her head and then yes. says, I'll just listen to them talking. Wow. Which I think is really That's like really kind of... fantastic. Um, but he wrote it, I think it was his first book, it might have been his second yes. book, it was all about watching his daughter, because uh, he has a, both a philosophical mm. and neuroscientific kind of background, yeah. watching his daughter's uh, brain and mind and how it changed. Yes. And so it's quite a fun thing to just kind of have a few of those books around, yeah. like his, and go, oh. Yes. Yes. Well, I say, I say the same thing about the brain that heals itself, that... Is it Deutsch? Norman Deutsch. His two books are really, and I guess the Dick Swab book, all of those, because also the Dick Swab is a lot about in utero brain development. Also, did you know this? For ages, they thought that having a really long, drawn-out labour created problems in the brain when you're older. Oh, no, but it's better. So it's so related to... Um, they thought it was to do with it's oxygen. Better to do. Now they realise that it's the baby's brain that triggers things to the mother's body, which tells her to give birth. And the reason the birth was long is because they were, the brain was malfunctioning already. Oh. No, but it's fascinating because also... But also, yeah. so, sorry, what I meant when I was like, oh, it's better, is, is yeah. that, like, actually, if it's quite slow to sort of... Open, open up it's not as hard to like I don't know I haven't even done it I'll be saying something different afterwards but I, I, I think I think the reason I, I think it must be so hard because actually I think more than any other area every woman who is pregnant gets a huge amount of conflicting information yes. and actually a little bit like we were talking about earlier with the binary there are people who see that as a team as well in terms of like natural birth and hypnobirth yes. and there are other people going no like it's it's we, we're improving and it's medicine and it's this and there and there are so many again statistics that can be used against women yes. this about breastfeeding this about vaginal birth this mm-hmm. about, about um, sleep training yes do you know what's been really a delight is what I felt from people who've people people in real life that I know who've given me advice friends has been, <laughs> and no, friends no. and acquaintances yeah, okay. and you know. Yes, yeah, friends. Yeah. <laughs> but when people say, like, the main thing you get from people is saying, listen, you'll get all this bullshit, everyone is different, mm. and don't feel guilty. Yeah. And I can really sense that as a backlash against certain things. And it's yeah. and it's so nice, like, 
somebody else said to me recently about like because when I was growing up my mum was really she has very set views of like what constitutes a legitimate childbirth what constitutes not being a proper woman what constitutes legitimate way of feeling a child feeding your child yeah which you don't realise that somebody said that to you so much until yes. you're like, what? what? How much of it you absorbed? Yeah. But also ha- that they absorbed. And yeah. like the judgment, yeah. I mean, like, it's not just women judging women, but that kind of like, mm, that person does that with their child. And and because it's different to what you've done, one of you has to be wrong. Which is such bullshit because yes, exactly. every baby's yes. different, every mother's different. Mm. But like, it, it was that thing of but, my friends. But, but motherhood was forced back on women after the Second World War. It was a kind of enforcement of like, that's how you're a good member of society. That's, that's how do. you create good people. There's this female job. And it, women were blamed for it. Oh, yes. Yeah, somebody sent me a really interesting link, but it was just on Twitter about how when. Men used to be the preserve of children when they were economically beneficial to them. Yeah. And then when they were no longer economically beneficial, they were giving to women because that's how capitalism worked or something. And I was like, that's so interesting. But I was just thinking, like, the best fun thing is you don't know who amongst your adult friends were breastfed, were sleep trained, were um, given birth without medication, were given birth with medication because, like, life is so much more complicated yeah. than those three well, factors. Oh, I disagree. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I think can tell, I carry yeah. with me quite clearly the fact that I was born at home in a snowstorm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah you're a little snowman. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a little snowman. That is actually why I have yes. that name. Yeah. Genuinely, that's why I was given the name oh, Robin. Because, oh, look, it's all snowy outside. Oh, that's oh. sweet, actually. I didn't know you were but a Christmas I, Robin. I, I, Robin I, Cabin I Noel. I don't know. I think I carry with me some of the... You know, there were probably certain things that happened as was, you know... Drop near the dressing table. So, so here, there is something that's related to the fact. So, obviously, you know that once when human beings as a species started walking on two legs and their hips got much smaller, childbirth got much more difficult. Oh, the brain got bigger, and so now we give birth at nine months rather than about two years, two and a half years. Whoa! You, but you know that, right? No! So that's why babies are useless. Now the mammal is born needing so to be held. So, so it grows its brain. You know, its skull hasn't finished forming. The theory about the diversity in human beings, because every other species, pretty much like. Dogs are dogs, even with a huge amount of, of, of breeding. They, they behave in similar ways. Horses behave like horses. Human beings are this massive spectrum of possibility. Sure. And the theory so is... So you having a week? Yes, it is. I'm pregnant. <laughs> the theory is we have so many more external influences in that beginning part of our growth that it's not... That's why we nurture is so way. important alongside genetics because it's not just... Human beings don't just behave like other apes. We're not predictable. With chimpanzees, you can say chimps do that if this happens. Some of them do this. The high-status ones do this. They have predictable behaviours. We don't. Wow. You don't. We put someone into a room with, like, a yellow ball, See, and you have no idea what could happen. I am glad of that, mm. but at the same time, I would rather we gave birth at two months like a kangaroo... Yeah. He just comes oh, out very small. Pouch. And you put it in a little pouch. You can yeah. check on them. Oh, you could no. even lift them up so they could have a look. Yeah. But it would just be. Like, You'd no, lose it. You'd lose <laughs> it, Josie, on the bus. <laughs> or I'd just yeah. take it out for five minutes to put my change in. Yeah. The main thing is make sure you start talking to your child before it's six years old. Because if you don't, they can't. That, I mean, they that, never that, learn that, to that talk. That stuff, yeah. I think, is absolutely fascinating. In, in, in critical stages in learning and neuroplasticity, but also I think that's the thing that I think I would overread in terms of wanting to get. I can answer, yes. wanting to give the best for a child. I'm in terms of certain things that you can't learn later, or there's a best time to learn them. So that's actually where the pornography is very interesting because on the internet now, the average age of watching porn is much lower Ooh. than it has been for a long time. And morally, most people's instinct is this is really bad for young people. 
but there is nothing necessarily proven in that case. Yes, yeah, so oh, immediately nunky. I'm like, oh, I hope well, children well, no, are also exposed to things they're too young to understand. No, no, when I was at Rome Zoo the other day, there were these giraffes shagging. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you about this. <laughs> no. It was, uh, I was at Rome Zoo, right, and I thought that's a short giraffe and a tall giraffe sit, standing in positions that's uh, with incredible yes. level of boredom. Yeah. They, they look really bored, but, yeah. and I thought, and, and, and my They've son was kind of looking years. as well. Well, giraffes and, as well, because how they mate, it's also urine and then tie it. <gasps> so she, she, she runs and runs and runs and runs until she's knackered and then she agrees. So I wonder in zoo if it is quite boring. No, it was, yeah. she just stood behind and they yeah. both had, I know I was projecting human, but that, that level yeah. of utter boredom. And yeah. then I noticed that his penis did that bit where it kind of goes, Curves you, round, you know, yeah. comes out. Mm. And there was this other Englishman next to me who's taking all these photos and saying to his wife that he was getting lovely photos with a giraffe looking back at him. And I then thought, is there any etiquette to explain to someone that when they start to proudly show off their photos of the giraffe yeah. to their friends, they might think it's an invitation to a swingers group? Because it's like, here's another yes. lovely... Why is he showing all these pictures of a giraffe Weird. in the direction? Yeah. But it was... It was uh, yeah, like sorry, what I just, you see? Anyway, yeah, so I told my son, I said, that's fine, you're allowed to take that morning off school. You, we've covered that area yeah. now, you've, you've, you've seen that. Um, also, I read... Um, I'm, I'm reading Pregnancy for Yoga and Birth, which seems great. I have for not yoga really been and doing birth. much... For pregnancy, pregnancy yoga for, for birth. Yoga oh. for pregnancy and birth. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's all right. So um, pregnancy for yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be much better. <laughs> but the worst part is my okay. brain did not register a mistake. Yeah. My brain was just like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I also yeah. read a book called The Positive Birth Book by Millie Hill, which mm. I think is really nice. And um, uh, just... Oh, Oh, never mind. Mm. I think there was something else, but I can't remember what it was. Well, I'll get home and I'll be like, the sounds best like you've one. done tons of research, though. I, I don't know. I've read the odd thing and it's been very useful. Oh, there's a book called Bumpology, which is quite useful. It's yeah. questions. I also, for a small period, became obsessed with reading the relationships section of Mum's Net because yeah. it was like take a break in real time. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, I don't know how. What's the relationships pos- section then? It's just people saying. Do you know what I've, do you I've think got? This is really partners. snooty. I know it's also because again I don't have children. I've never been on Mum's Net, and I, I, and I don't want to go. No, I'm not. Because I think anymore. I've only ever heard. Obviously, yeah. Again, when I've ever heard Mum's Net, it's been because of their version of trolling. Yeah. yeah. So right, we've, better, yeah. we've run oh, out of time. No. I and, talk, well, uh, we haven't even got to ask well, you. Well, we could sorry, do part two. We'll, uh, what are, I presume, yeah. looking at all your big notes and so I just, what? I've down some brilliant books I've read recently. Can I just say there's yeah. about 50 books here? This well, is do you know what I did? Because I moved house about six months ago, so I took pictures of my bookshelf, so it's all books in the last six months. And can I just say some brilliant things? There's a novel that's being really heavily promoted called Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, who's disgustingly young huh. and such an incredible writer. Oh. Uh, just a really, really brilliant novel. Rachel Moran's book, Paid For, My Journey Through Prostitution, I think is the most important feminist book I've ever read. And I say that because, and again, in terms of thinking you understand something, there's a lot of stuff that's very pro-sex work for very good reason. She's not just writing about her life. She became, uh, she uses the term prostituted woman or prostitute, so I'm using her language. But So she became a prostitute at 15, had a long period. She's worked in all different kinds of sex work and is now a journalist. So she's a brilliant writer, but I've never read anything that makes you understand that world. And what she writes so brilliantly is about economics of choice, economics of consent, power dynamics. It's bef- obviously written before Weinstein, but it's so relevant mm. to certain things. And she lays them out so carefully. And there's such a big difference between people who are making choices with their bodies and people who don't have choices, who are coerced into situations. And that's what she puts out so amazingly. Um, Dark Chapter by Winnie Lee. She won the, the Guardian 
she won a, guard, a prize from the Guardian last year. She self-published her book, or well, it's a very very small. But she wrote, so she was raped, stranger raped, uh, on a walk, and wrote a novel about her experience. And then the court case. It's novelized, and it's not too. As another word is triggering. I can, I can imagine. Some, I mean, you can't say what's going to happen to someone else. It's a really really well written thing, and it's not only about how you behave when you're scared but also then how that is questioned by the law wow. and if her rape she, oh yeah she, oh no sorry I'm, mm. I get too excited no no she runs a festival yeah it's called now. the Clear Lines Festival yeah. and actually she runs it all over the world so if you listen in another country follow her on Twitter and the work she's doing in advocacy and also with connecting lots of other people um, yeah she's amazing and then um what else? Oh, the Lesser Bohemians. I just oh, that's the way great. Here. Emma McBride, yeah, yeah Emma. we, we had her on Did you? Uh, yeah, on yeah. 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 How do you know her? Hey, have you read the first one, The yes, Girl is a half form yes. thing? I just, I, again, it's that language thing. I, I, I honestly think, that I'm very lucky, very young. I, I don't think everyone loves reading. Like, I think for some people it feels like work, or they should do it, or it's high and mighty. Something happens in my brain with words where it's just pleasure. Mm. And then when someone writes like she does... It's it's in, it's like eating ice cream or something. But you're, you're it's just her getting inner, pleasure. the way she takes what would have been the inner monologue yes. of, of the version of her as yes. a as a yeah. young mm. student is that that's the thing that yes. I found most. The, it, it the way like, she I've writes about sex, the way she writes about sex, the way she writes about being in a pub at half ten and the mm. switch going off, which is almost self destructive, and and she doesn't write in a self aware way. It's a novel. She write, you're seeing it objectively yeah. while also understanding inner life. Like yeah, just so so brilliant. I read two books. Sorry. Oh, go on then. Oh, yeah. So, so, so just way. Juno Dawson and Juliet Jacks, I read both of their autobiographies. They're both trans women. And again, in terms of me trying to seek out female experience, which is unlike my own, yeah. to make me a better feminist. Um, I mean, a better not... I just want to win at feminism. <laughs> and, um, and I'd really recommend both of them because they're really funny and really compassionate and interesting. And I think uh, often we think we understand things and we don't. People mm. experience things that are so different to ours. In order to empathise properly, the better informed we can be. But that's why, like, as well, if you bother to read somebody's book and their book is 300 pages long, you're really sitting with them for a little you bit. Like, I'm not time. saying that's enough. And also, but and also you can absolutely you know, I don't really agree with that. I've experienced this other thing. You can have a whole dialogue in your head with it, but, yeah, it's... You don't just read a tweet and have an emotional reaction. You yeah. spend your time letting that person take you through their arguments yeah. sometimes, yeah. Uh, we better stop there. Uh, thank you very much, Chase Long. Thank you very much, Sarah Pascoe. Sarah Pascoe's book, Animal, is available forever. <laughs> thank you very much to Tracy Herring, Scott Monaghan, Scott Kingsnorth, Dan Davis, Keith Brunt, Ben Myers, Ben T and Ruth Letton. And remember, reading lists plus other podcasts and documentaries. Our new documentary uh, just came out yesterday, actually, uh, part two of our uh, series of films we made out at CERN with Professor Lucy Green. You can check all that out at cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. (laughs) 